Puck It Will Do It Live is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And you know what? They've got this amazing, easy, two-tap checkout process. You know what I wish I could do with just two taps? Pretty much anything. That would be amazing. Two taps and you're done. You're out of here. How simple is that? It's great. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. to Puck It, We'll Do It Live, our pre-recorded Minnesota Twins podcast. Back again here on this Friday, December 6th. Dan Hayes, our uh, incredible Twins beat writer, joins us. I'm Zach Pierce, managing editor of The Athletic Minnesota. It is our winter meetings preview show. And Dan, are you excited for a trip to San Diego? <clears throat> yes. Uh, Your old stomping wait, grounds. Wait. Would you ask again? Yes. Yes, yes I can okay. confirm. <laughs> Okay, good. Yes. I'm, I'm a little rusty. Excited. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, big, big off season, obviously, for the Twins. Big week coming up. Obviously, a lot of uh, things tend to go down to winter meetings. Some things already have. Uh, we'll get to all of it. But I think the first thing, Dan, that uh, the most recent thing that's happened, knock on wood, because there is a delay between when this uh, is being recorded and when we're publishing. But uh, the Twins, who have been in pursuit of starting pitching, among other things, this offseason missed out on the first big fish. Zach Wheeler signing with the shit Phillies. Is that right? Yes, the Phillies. The Phillies. Five years and $118 million. Producer um, Adam's favorite team. Uh, so, Dan, uh, kind of take us through uh, what happened there and where the Twins are kind of looking next after missing out on him. Well, yeah, I think in the last time we uh, talked, I, I said that I heard a lot of kind of scuttlebutt in the industry that – you know, the Twins are expected to be big players, especially in that second tier this offseason. A lot of people were feeling like they were going to go out and spend money. And, and, you know, to an extent they were out there, and I think they probably came up short. Um, I mean, obviously they did because the Phillies ended up getting him. But from all accounts I had heard, and, and we, I talked to people within the industry as well as the Twins, because you know the Twins are going to tell you what they want you to have. And, uh, but people in the industry were, were pretty impressed by how much they were willing to spend. You know, this is a team that I think Irvin Santana at $4 and $55 million is the biggest free agent contract um, that they've ever given out, which is woefully unimpressive. And, you know, this is the first time um, that they've been really good and had some flexibility to go out and do this without the Joe Maurer contract on the books and – so I think people expected them to spend, and it sounds like they were willing to get themselves out there. You know, there's reports that it was five and a hundred million that was offered. Um, everything I'd heard was they were very willing to spend on Zach Wheeler, and and the one part that's always tough, I think, for people to wrap their heads around is, well, if you spend the, the money, you should get him. And the thing is, is that the Jake Odorizzi talked about about this. 
it's your choice at this point. You've worked yep. really hard to get there and, and do what you want to do with your career. And there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks that Zach Wheeler is a creature of habit. He liked the East Coast. You know, he's a Georgia guy. His his fiance's in-laws or his fiance's parents are uh, in Jersey. Really was hoping to stay in the East um, and and chose the the closest thing to New York with the Phillies. And and I think there's some merit to it. You know, reports came out afterwards that the White Sox actually offered more money. Uh, they offered 120 over five years, and you know they didn't they didn't get him. And I think that that says. Uh, basically what you need to know uh, that this guy was kind of choosing what he wanted to do. It wasn't going to be the highest bidder. And I think that sometimes that stuff gets lost. People just expect it the other way. Um, it's dis- disappointing. I'm sure for the twins, I'm just, dis- you know, they, they worked pretty hard on it um, and come up empty. And, and there's only a few guys out there that are this quality between uh, Ryu from the Dodgers, Madison Bumgarner, Wheeler, you know, guys that are in that 100 to maybe maybe 80 to 120 million range. Um, you know, obviously there's the Strasburgs and the Coles, but the Twins aren't going to play in that market just because basically, you know, that's that's putting 30 million on one player, which might eat up as much as a fifth of your payroll. And, you know, if the Twins aren't going to go past 150 and we've never seen them go past like 128, 129. Um, you know, the, you can't really put 20% of your payroll on one guy. What if that guy breaks down and he's out for two years or he yep. sucks or never lives up to it? So so you got to look for that next tier. And, you know, they made some serious efforts here, but they came up empty. And, and so, you know, that's where they are. And Madison Bumgarner's got a hot market based off of the Zach Wheeler market. So – who knows how they come out of this, um, but they, they have two holes to fill in that rotation and only so many options. Otherwise, they have to go for the trade market, something along that line. You know, there's only so many guys out there, and, and it's not a uh, – I don't think that it, it is a time to be – for p- fans to be panicked, but at the same time, you on alert for sure. I mean, the best guy of the group, the guy you identified as the guy you were targeting – uh, went and he went for more than you were and maybe as much as 18 million more than you were paying we don't know for sure what the amount was uh, that the twins were willing to go other than the 500 million but the fact that they were willing to spend tells me that you know they're at least out there it's just how how far are they willing to go out there with these limited amounts of guys that are left yeah we we talked about this issue a little bit when we were looking at craig kimbrell uh, earlier this season, Dan, about, you know, everybody's saying the Twins should go sign him, the Twins should go sign him. Well, he has some say in the matter, too. This isn't just, you know, I think the line I used was buying a suit off a rack at a store. Like, yeah. the player gets to choose where they want to go, and I think that's that's part of it that we miss when we, you know, we've written and, and we're, you know, we, we contributed to this, too, on, on The Athletic. But when we write all these pieces saying, hey, these are the three pitchers the Twins should realistically target, what we f- neglect to mention is that, hey, these guys might have no desire <laughs> to come to Minnesota whatsoever because not a knock on the state, but if you're just if you're not from here, you don't probably have any particular reason to want to come here. There's a lot of good baseball teams, a lot of teams that are kind of on the cusp of contention that you could go to, and, and that's just the reality. And so at some point, 
yeah, the Twins could have offered him $200 million and maybe he would reconsider. But at some point, the over the overpriced you have to pay to get somebody to come who doesn't really want to be here is just not worth it. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say this. The, the one thing that we could see happen here, and this is just kind of hypoth- you know, just speculating basically, Ryu, Dodgers, Madison Bumgarner, Giants. Uh, yeah. You know, basically, um, and you look at Wheeler, Mets, none of these guys play here. And I wonder, and I, I actually said this on radio, and I know this is a subject that we've had before here, um, but, you know, I said this on radio on Thursday, you know, when, when I was looking at places to follow um, after the White Sox job that I had covering the White Sox, and there were options, and, and the possibilities were, even within our own company, were out there with maybe there were some openings around the Midwest in different places, and one of them, or maybe even two of them, were in the NL Central. And to be honest, the familiarity of the AL Central that I had covered for the past five years, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew where I'd be going to consistently. I knew I'd see my friends on the road. Um, I was really actually... I think that played a role for me in, in my own choice. And, yeah. you know, I'm just a beat writer. I'm not a guy who's about <laughs> to go out there and play for, you know, a hundred million dollars over five years. Um, and you know, that was just my personal preference. I think that stuff does come into play when people are looking at this stuff. So it's possible that that comes into play with these things. I mean, Madison sure. Bumgarner doesn't know Minneapolis. I don't, you know, the giants come in in May and, uh, uh, we have some breaking news. Oh, breaking news. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, um, a uh, baseball source has confirmed the Twins, as we're talking here about uh, their, their pitching staff, have a, a deal in place pending a physical that Michael Pineda will be uh, returning to the Twins on a two-year deal for $20 million. Wow. Um, so, so the they, same rotation minus Kyle Gibson coming back, but that's 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 good. Pineda, that's their a, best pitcher. Yeah, I, I'm too look, excited. Think, We're too excited to have this podcast right now, Dan. We're cutting <laughs> each other off. There's no rhythm. There's no flow. Let's back up. But we, we have, are really just in a funk, aren't we? We have Jose Brios, Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, three fifths of the rotation now uh, back in place obviously the twins are i believe still intending to use an in-house option for the number five spot but uh big news the twins uh get another top eight pitching free agent from uh from aaron gleeman's list of top 20 available free agents so i can already hear the twins fans reaction dan of here we go again running it back with the same uh the same starters as last year but not a bad three to have in the in the crew if uh, if this is in fact uh, how it's going to unfold to have Barrios, Odorizzi, and Pineda. Now they just need to add that fourth piece. Yeah, I I think that you have a solid foundation of a group here, and and maybe the reason why this happened here is just reacting to how the rest of the market was playing out. Uh, you know, we were talking about Wheeler and how much his market may have shifted Madison Bumgarner's. Who knows what this could mean uh, at this point for, for Bumgarner. And, and they needed to get their, their bases covered here. And, and so, look, this is a great start because I think that this team with Pineda, I think we talked about this before, with Pineda in October would have been a lot better off than obviously having to go to a rookie, an untested rookie at Yankee Stadium. Um, they could have started Odorizzi in game two or, or Pineda in game two. Um, 
they would have been much better off. The way you have to finish this now is is get somebody else. You need another really good arm. The great yep. thing is we saw what they can do 101 wins last year with a lackluster Kyle Gibson, you know, a guy who was not healthy the entire season. And and I think that when you consider that, um, this is really where you want to be because Michael Pineda, especially from June on, you know, and, and now they have this platform where they can get him into one of the reasons why he was on the DL twice, or the injured list twice last year was because of his knee. They were protecting him because – he had gained weight after his knee the year before, and and I think that now you have a entire off season. You know the one the one uh, downside to him is he misses the first thirty nine games. Yeah, but you know you go into that, um, you know you go into that and you say we can get him healthier, we can get him into better shape, and and use that time to to bring him into a spot where you don't have to put him on the IL for for ten days at a time to manage him and. If you get that guy back, I mean, you're, you're talking about Pineda coming off of his his uh, Tommy John surgery and then the knee surgery. And what he gave them at that point was 87 innings, 90 strikeouts, 310 ERA. If you can add a better pitcher than Kyle Gibson, you have a very good rotation going forward. And, and I know it's probably not going to be something that blows Twins fans away, but I think that Pineda was always a really good potential option. And I know that even a month ago, they were interested in bringing him back, but they were talking to him about a one-year deal. Here it is a two-year deal, so you don't just get this year. You have a guy that you can keep around, and and you avoid having three, four rotation spots open next year, uh, which would be tricky yet again. Uh, But, you know, it's not a bad start to the offseason, and – you know, if they can back it up with a Madison Bumgarner or a uh, Ryu, uh, you know, they're going to be in really good shape. Um, I, it, it, it's not uh, it's not bringing the whole band back together, but it's bringing back some intricate parts to the band. And I think, you know, we look at Odorizzi and, and Pineda, those are two of the guys you would have thought if they bring them back, this is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you're you're hoping those two guys can uh, and, and Barrios can – be at least what they were last season, but and then it just all comes down to: Do you get a Bumgarner? Do you get a Ryu? And do those guys uh, live up to that expectation that will come with whatever contract they get? I don't expect any uh, uh, fans to be making World Series uh, plans after this news, but um, the, the rotation was not uh, was not bad last year. It just with Pineda gone uh, for the playoffs, they just they stood no chance against the Yankees. And I think uh, if they get that one marked improvement, if replacing Kyle Gibson with one of these other you know top five six guys available on the market, then you look at it and say that's about the best you could hope for. Again, when you consider the the constraints of um, you have to convince somebody to come to Minnesota, and who is that going to be? Is it going to be Bumgarner? Maybe small town guy, probably. Uh, doesn't mind the the lifestyle too much uh probably isn't really clamoring to play in a big city but um that's the hurdle that they have to they have, they have to overcome with anybody who uh isn't under their own control going in right and and so i i think this is a great move to just secure that you know with with all those spots <laughs> it's just a lot of work yeah you know? and and they had talked about it privately that don't be surprised if we have multiple of these guys back the difference is here is can you come back and you add another guy rather than bringing back a Martin Perez or a Kyle Gibson yep. And, yep. and go for that next step 
because they have the wherewithal financially. They have a lot of flexibility, and, and this is the time to shine. But who knows? Maybe really this is the part where they they saw those prices, and or maybe they know from the agent that they can't compete. Who right. who knows? Because like we were saying, you know, that's just a a big hill to climb when when those guys have never played in your city and don't know it, and it it can be very tough. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it, but again, filling out your roster with three really good right-handers, and I think Jose Barrios. We're gonna we'll we'll see, but Jose Barrios, I I think is gonna show something um, this off season, uh, just changing the program up. And I, I look forward to uh, detailing some of that later on this winter. But, you know, I, I don't think we'll see a velocity drop from him like we saw in August and September. I think he's changing some of his work habits and rededicating himself. And we will uh, potentially see some benefits from that down the stretch next year. Yeah, and if, if Barrios takes a step forward and becomes – uh, you know that that top line all star caliber pitcher that we all think he can be, that changes things quite a bit too. If if you if you slot in you know a Madison Bumgarner behind him, followed by Odorizzi and Pineda, um, you know you may only have one true stud in that rotation, but the other three are all uh, at least based on past performance, which of course doesn't always track. Are are, are uh, all number two options, and I think. You know that's kind of the the play here is we you know the 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 twins are not going to have a uh, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke one two three rotation, but they can have a version of that where they have a number one and then they have three guys that are kind of on that next tier. That yeah, you're going to have to hope that they that they play a little bit above uh, above their norms, especially in the playoffs. But uh, again, for this team that just cannot. Um, necessarily woo you as a free agent just by their location um, or the amenities they offer in their city. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can ask for in the free agent market. The fact that Irvin Santana is the is the biggest one they've ever been able to land is not entirely because of the Polad family not opening their pockets. I guarantee you that. Yeah, and and it's uh, again, I, I really think that you just had to get make sure you have fewer openings. You can really take your time. I mean, obviously you want to, you want to wow your fans. And I think that's what they need to do. They, you know, that's the part that really, you know, maybe it's a trade. Who knows? Yep. Maybe, maybe that's the possibility you go out and maybe the Red Sox are open to dealing David price and you're taking on his 96 million left, or maybe it's something like, you um, Darvish. Although I don't know that the Cubs are making him available, but I mean, you know, you just the less work you have ahead of you, the more you can focus on things and get creative. And I think that's something these guys are really good at. Um, but it, it's their time to wow the fans. And, I, you know, Wheeler, look, I'm guessing I, I talked to people and I had one person tell me they thought the Wheeler was worth five and 110. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's where the Twins were worth going, uh, were thinking about going to. But I still think they would have been under what was needed. And at some point, you do have to spend a little extra. The Twins did it last year with Nelson Cruz. The Astros and the Rays were both in on him. Both teams were at $12 bucks. The Twins were at $12 bucks too. They really wanted what Nelson Cruz brought to them, and we saw that throughout the year on the leadership, and yep. they were willing to spend $2 million more. 
Um, when you're talking about a guy that's going to get a hundred million dollars, it's not two million more; it's ten to twelve million more is the right. the buffer that you have to do. And at some point, they need to do this. Uh, I just it, it's it's telling. It, look, you got to get the the critics, the people who just continually rip you for being cheap. To you got to get throw a bone at some point. Now, the one thing that's tough about that is. You have a very reasonable front office, a team that doesn't want to get hamstrung by terrible, shitty contracts, you know. And and so there's that part that you got to weigh the the difference. I mean, what if you sign a guy and he just blows out and he is shit for five years, and that's what you're stuck with, and that's twenty two million of your, you know. I mean, that's the part where they they have to figure out who it is worth uh, going that extra mile for. And it's hard to do when it's a big contract like this, but there there's not really a time like they have they are in right now where they have a bunch of young guys. You know, you still have Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov coming. You still have Bruce Dargraderol as a starter coming. You still have a bunch of talent in the system that is affordable coming. And and so you have this next wave or two of talent still coming. And and that's the part that, you know, they they have this luxury where they can count on some homegrown players eating up small amounts of payroll but providing big results just the way that they had this last year and and that's an advantage for a team like them to then be able to go out and spend so it would be great for the the front office to make a move like that but i i do like how sound this move is in just um and bulking them up and and hopefully uh getting them where they need to be just read the labels on the bottles, Michael, for uh, for the next year, just to make sure this doesn't happen again. Yes, but, um, <laughs> that that's gonna be. A, we're, we're gonna need to do a, a, a podcast on that, um, just on on why I think that he, uh, you know, why they were willing to bring him back at a later yeah. time, uh, yeah. maybe post post winter meetings after had a chance to be debrief with uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and get a sense for. Rocco Baldelli's thoughts and all that stuff because I know they were all disappointed in September, but you could tell the window was still open for him to come back. I just got the ESPN alert about uh, Michael Pineda, and they're giving the Athletic the credit. So well, they uh, should give. Um, I don't even know who uh, Pierre from Carolina, Pierre, right? Yeah, <laughs> Pierre from Fox Nine actually had it first. Fox Nine, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I was sure to credit him on that but uh if anybody else wants to give me credit that's okay too (laughs) but uh just to put a bow on the pitching conversation i promise we'll move on to something else very soon but i think you're right dan like it's at some point you have to get over the fear of of the what ifs of what could happen with um uh, a contract that gets too fat or a guy doesn't deliver or whatever it happens to every team i know it can be especially crippling for a team like the twins but uh, the time is now. The offense is. is there. They've got to. They've got to try to make a move. But that said, you know, if if Madison Bumgarner does not want to come to Minnesota, I mean, his agent absolutely should go to Falvey and say, you know, you're going to have to overpay by whatever <laughs> thirty, forty million. At, at, at what point? And this is why I could never be a GM. At what point does the does that overage become absurd to the point where you have to say, even though we need this. I can't right. do it. I don't know. That's the question. That's the debate they may have to face with Bumgarner or Rio or anyone else. And I think that Wheeler said that to the White Sox, essentially. Hey, your money, you know, he's played at Wrigley, um, probably hasn't played much at uh, 
U.S. Cellular guaranteed rate field, uh, I'm guessing that that lack of familiarity is why he chose, you know, the the location there. And and so do, if you're the White Sox, did you have to go 130? Did you have to be so absurd? We're talking about a guy who some of the estimates early on were like five and eighty-five million or yeah, five and yeah. ninety million, and you're going to go forty million above. I I get it. You want the guy, but is that what you have to do? And is that I, I, there's parts where you want to be more responsible than that. And look at you, Darvish. I mean, yeah. the the money that he spent, you know, the Cubs got a good product out of him this last year, but the first year was a total disaster. And if that had happened to the Twins, that would have wiped them out to have a guy that's still got four and eighty-one million left. Now, I mean, sometimes the the big, the best moves you make are the ones you don't make, and and I think. They dodged a bullet with Craig Kimbrell, and people were pissed that they didn't spend the money. But some of the signs were there. They saw them, and, and look what he did. I mean, I you could argue that Craig Kimbrell hurt the Cubs a lot. I don't think that that's the only reason. I think their their lack of on-base in the leadoff spot hurt them a lot too. But down the stretch, their prized guy that they have for several more years blew several critical games, and the Cubs missed the playoffs. And that kind of stuff, you know, the, the Twins – we're, we're fortunate not to get that move there. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they're willing to pull the trigger on because they definitely have to. The Cubs, man, just, wow. They look like they had everything going for years to come. And then it's just, I know. It, it's a cruel game. It's a cruel game. It kind of yeah. reminds me of the Seattle uh, Seahawks. You know, the, the Legion yeah. of Doom was going to be the, uh, the defense for the ages, and they were, and they're still a really good team. But, uh, one uh, choice to not run the ball with Marshawn Lynch at the goal line, and uh, you you miss out on a second consecutive Super Bowl. And I'm really upset about that as a 49er fan that the Seahawks <laughs> didn't win two in a row. So uh, stuff happens. It's sports. You you got to take your windows when you can get them. All right, so that's enough of pitching Cubs and Seahawks. Uh, let's move on to the rest of kind of what's going on with the team right now as, as uh, winter meetings approaches. Uh, we kind of mentioned Kyle Gibson off to the Texas Rangers uh, after uh, he was the longest tenured twin last year, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so who who is now the longest tenured twin? Man, okay, let's think about let's this. Look that up. Uh, maybe yeah. Max Kepler at, hmm. at 2015. Um, maybe Jorge Polanco was up earlier than that. Was he up in 14 for a minute? Maybe. Yeah. I think it's Polanco. Anyway, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and do that offline. But um, yes. We uh, what else happened? CJ Crone uh, was not tendered a contract, and uh, and that'll be interesting. Often. Yeah, that, so that that's probably the biggest sort of intrigue on the offensive side is what the Twins do there to replace him. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, he was a pretty decent defensive first baseman, and do they go for the third base market now, and and maybe move Sonoda first? Do they look for someone like Travis Shaw? I loved. Uh, Seeing his name, the the two names that were really intriguing to me in Aaron's uh, story about non-tenders were Travis Shaw and Blake Trinan. Um, I think both those guys could make the Twins really good. Uh, but, you know, Travis Shaw is not far removed from being a pretty good player, and he plays both third base and first base. Is he the guy that they're looking for? You know, they, but that's a, the great part about their roster as they are built right now. You know, they have no defined first baseman on the team however what they do have is a guy they have a bunch of flexibility they have Astadio they have Garver who they they think can be a first baseman they have Sano they have 
Marwin Gonzalez can play first base. You know, they've played Adrianza there. They have a bunch of guys. I don't think that's a position necessarily that you want to rotate five guys in and out of. You want stability. You you know, that's that's a big target is a good thing for the rest of your defense to have. However, you never know how they're going to kind of do this. I mean, do they go for Josh Donaldson? Do they go for a move like that to kind of put a, a solid, out, an outstanding defensive third baseman over there and, and just move Sano to first base? And it, it's tricky, but I think that it's one thing that they probably look at it and say we have like 12 plans here, 12 ways that this could work out, and – We'll figure it out. Rather than they have this one plan and the set, and they have to do it, they have to execute it. Uh, it's the one thing that they're good at with their flexibility is that they have multiple options. I'm sure um, it, that's going to be very interesting. You know, I saw Josh Donaldson listed, the Twins listed amongst his suitors on one thing. Uh, then you know, I hear just on background no, so it, it's hard to get a read, um, but. You know how they address that will be interesting because they really need to improve their infield defense. It's one of the things that we saw last year that they were not great at. Their third base, their shortstop, and their second base left something to be desired. Just not a lot of range, stuff getting by that maybe should be vacuumed up. You look at Chapman and Oakland and how good he is and what Donaldson could do for the Braves. Uh, he makes sense. Rendon obviously makes sense. Uh, sorry, producer Adam for suggesting Rendon. Uh, but, you know, it definitely would be an area of interest, I think, um, along with this other rotation spot. Yeah, and the piece you're referencing from Aaron uh, on Thursday was looking at some some non-tendered free agents that the Twins might uh, go after. Of course, they did that quite a bit last year with uh, C.J. Crone uh, being one that they kind of plucked off the uh, out of that pool and Jonathan Scope as well, Blake Parker too, although – that one did not work out quite so well. <laughs> but um, one of the possibilities also is potentially re-signing Crone. The reason they did not offer him a contract was because he would have been eligible for a a high amount through arbitration that they felt probably was not worth what his production um, uh, had to offer. But I'm curious, Dan, like, I'm not asking about Crone specifically, but just in general, is that I have to imagine that not getting tendered a contract makes you less inclined to want to return to the team that didn't offer it to you. Well, that's possible. If if there's some bitterness, that that always could be there. Um, he had a good experience, I'm sure. I mean, he likes Rocco. They they know each other from Tampa from the year before. You know, he was healthy. He was great. I, I think I saw a stat the other day that he was second in the uh, AL in in balls scooped out of the dirt, and he only had 117 games. Yeah. They they definitely could use him. There's no question. It, at what price? That's where right. it is. And and the thing that came up a couple times last month in in Phoenix was how significant the thumb surgery was. And you just wonder if they're very concerned about it. I mean, we saw what he could do, what he was capable of at bat, and it wasn't much down the stretch. I mean, you take the thumb out of the swing. Uh, the thing that holds the bat in place, that's that's really tough, especially with a guy that consistently hits rockets like he does. I just can't imagine what he had to do to stay on the field uh, when he did. And and that was a, a huge lift for the Twins at the time, and it probably was him being a soldier. And, and uh, it, it sucks for him that he did not get tendered two years in a row. There's no reason that, you know, it's not like this is a bad dude. This is a guy that people really enjoyed. Um, 
you would think that there might be a spot for him, but maybe that's just saying how significant this injury is and that they would not want to risk that much money on bringing him back. So those are probably two of the bigger storylines for the Twins going into next, uh, or definitely two of the bigger storylines going into next week. What are they going to do for that last open starting position, uh, starting rotation spot? What are they going to do about their first base position? Will they pick somebody off uh, sort of a, a bargain price off the non-tendered pool? Will they move Sano and try to make a splash at third base? Something else entirely. There's some other questions that are out there. Uh, I think Aaron raised a couple of them in his piece today about maybe finding some uh, some outfield help, uh, especially from the right side of the plate to kind of serve as a backup out there. Obviously, the bullpen could always use a little bit of help, but I think um, the last thing of note from the last week, Dan, is as you predicted, the coaching staff has been pretty well rated, most notably recently <laughs> Derek Shelton accepting the managerial job at the Pirates. How big a loss is, is that and all the others for the Twins, and, and what are they facing in order to sort of get that uh, that cupboard restocked? Yeah, they are facing that's a that's a huge loss just from a logistical standpoint. Derek Shelton ran that camp and you know, it was his, last year was his uh second time running camp with the Twins and it was so efficient and he and Rocco worked like crazy to get that thing as efficient as possible. They eliminated little gaps. Players were so happy with how little standing around there was, but even more so and it's funny to say this because they're professional athletes, but the guys hate walking from field to field at the complexes to get work done that they could just stand in the same place and get that work done. And that's with the, you know, it, so I, you're wasting time. You're wasting somewhere around five, three to five minutes per each of those walks. And then you get over there to the new field and you have to get organized. And instead they're just having the coaches do the moving and, and doing the other stuff. Logistically, it made so much sense. And it's not to mention the relationships that Shelton had with players was a strong suit in 2018. You could see it. Guys loved him. You know, a lot of guys were on board with the idea of Derek Shelton taking over as their manager uh, before Rocco Baldelli got the job. It was not something that they were they were going to be happy if that was the guy that got the job. And everybody was happy when he stuck around. Um, now, as far as Rocco Baldelli, you know, his his ideals will still be in place, and I'm sure they will find someone that they like to be the bench coach or however they choose to do this because, you know, we've seen teams do different things with their coaching staffs, quality control guys, that kind of stuff. Um, but they have the right kind of the idea in place. They have the right foundation, and Rocco going into year two is going to be a lot better place to handle this than he would have last year. But it's still a, a big move, a big loss, and obviously they have the bullpen coach to fill too. Um, they have some some work to do, and – We'll get a better sense from Rocco Baldelli. Um, I'm sure he's thrilled for Derek Shelton. At the same time, he's probably hurting a little bit just because, you know, hey, this is a guy that was really close with him and helped him out a lot in his first year, and the Twins won 101 games. And I'm sure, especially that it went so late, you know, we're talking early December that he finally got announced that it's tough um, to lose him at that point. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but they they have a lot more work to do on that front too. We will be back with you next week after Dan's time in San Diego to break down uh, anything that does or can does I promise, not can happen. I, yeah. Hey, by the way, if I'm hungover, it's okay, right? Yeah, totally. Are you? I mean, are you still going to do the show? Can I? Yeah, I'll see if I can fit it in. Okay. You guys have to remind me of the time zone uh, change. 
We're gonna have what's to do your, the same thing. You're from? Well, you're not from there, but you lived there for a while. What's your What's your favorite went, haunts? Oh man, um, they're all over the place because I lived everywhere there. I mean, you lived there for a dozen years, but I would say that I will definitely be hitting Ballast Point, even though it just sold uh, the other day uh, to some small brewery that nobody's heard of. I will probably hit Modern Times. Mm, yeah, um, good one. And then I used uh, to get that one a lot. I like their cans. Very, very yeah, their nice. cans are good. Good knowledge there, Zach. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, the oh man, which one did Sandy? Which one did uh, the Tony Gwynn three ninety four pale ale? Um, I can't believe I don't. I think is Ale Smith did that. They're great too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but the 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 cool part is uh, watching the Niners and Saints with all my buddies from Northern California who are yeah. Niner fans that live in. Actually, watching a game with my friends—that'll be nice. Rather Dan than... will also—you'll uh, also work a little bit, I think, while you're there. But uh, seriously, enjoy the time. Should be fun. It's always good to go back to a place where uh, you loved it. You know? Yeah. I—I I w- I just did that for myself last week, but uh, worked and paid for it. I was it, jealous. So. Yeah. I was yeah. insanely jealous. Yeah. Well, now the tables have turned, my friend. But. All right, that'll do it for our winter meetings preview. I guess that was a winter meetings preview. But uh, like we said, we'll be back next week. Thank you, Poodle Nation, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.